Hello, my friends, and welcome to episode 19 of You Don't Know Jack. I am your host, Sarah Dimio, the Jack Nicholson superfan with everything you need to know in the career of the legend himself, Jack Nicholson. In our last episode, we discussed 1974's Chinatown, one of the most iconic roles of Jack's entire career, arguably one of the most iconic films of all time. It would garner Jack another Golden Globes nomination for Best Lead Actor in a Dramatic Role and another Academy Award nomination for Best Actor, which he would still not win yet, but wait just a few weeks because that's going to change soon. Anyway, as we jump on into 1975, this is another milestone year for Jack and a busy one. He would have four feature films come out this year, the first of which is the one we are talking about today. I sure hope you like classic rock. Now here's the thing though with today's episode. This is going to be a much shorter episode for two reasons. One, Jack is in one scene in which he plays the doctor and he performs a song titled Go to the Mirror. But number two, if you've been a regular listener of this podcast, you know that I like to include a lot of sound clips from each film that we review. Music is a different animal though, especially popular music. So the only sound clip that I'm going to play for you today is a little blip, and I do mean little, from Go to the Mirror. I can't even play the whole song. So if you haven't figured it out by now, today we are reviewing the 1975 film adaptation of the rock opera Tommy by The Who. Now, I remember first hearing of Tommy about the age of 13, the same time that I first learned of the majority of projects that Jack was in. And I clearly remember that this was not one of the ones that we went and rented from Blockbuster. This was among the ones I first saw on TV on one of the movie stations over at my grandparents' house. And I wish I could remember the name of the paper that my grandparents got that had a TV schedule for all kinds of movies for each month, because this was where I would go to check, hoping to find any movie that I wanted to see. It wasn't TV Guide or anything like that. This was like a folded paper that had listings for stuff that was going to be on, and other kinds of entertainment news and that kind of a thing if I'm remembering correctly. But regardless, this is where one day I looked and I found that Tommy was there in the listings. And you know me, at age 13, I knew every title to Jack Nicholson's name, so I knew he was in there somewhere. I think I knew that he was only in one scene, but even back then, I was like, what do I care if he's in it for only one scene? I still have to see it. So I was ready when the moment came that I could catch Tommy on TV. So the actual record, Tommy, was the fourth studio album by The Who, and it came out in 1969. And I feel like just the concept of the record, the whole storyline that unfolds, you can tell that it's a product of the late 60s. Let's put it that way. 
by which I mean that era was a time of different spiritual movements and commune life and all these counterculture sorts of things that I've talked about a lot on here before, back when we were talking about Jack's B-movie work. This record was primarily composed by Pete Townsend, and he had come up with the story after being introduced to the teachings of Mare Baba. Mare Baba was an Indian spiritual master who was born in 1894. I guess if I could sum up the main ideas of his teachings into just a few sentences, which, mind you, got started in the 1920s and continued to grow all through the 20th century. It would have to be that he practiced strict self-discipline, and he required it from his followers, too. He would spend long periods in seclusion, in which he would also fast. I read that from July 10th, 1925, when he would have been 31 years old, to the end of his life, in 1969, he remained in silence. He would only communicate at first with an alphabet board. Then in 1954, until the end, he would communicate through hand gestures, which were translated through an interpreter. But during that time, in all those years of silence, he would still travel and do all of these public gatherings and meet different charities that would help the poor and the sick and the dying. The Mare Baba movement, as it's called, is estimated to have a following of hundreds of thousands of members, potentially even into the millions. The core belief was, and this is according to Wikipedia, that the universe is imagination and that God does exist and that each soul is God passing through imagination to realize their own divinity. It was mainly about love and compassion for other souls. I don't think I would be able to do it any justice if I tried to just sitting here by myself explain it in layman's terms, because I'm still trying to figure it out myself. But I do have to say, I find it to be an interesting concept. I guess I'm one of those types. I really enjoy philosophy and questioning why we're here and all of those existential questions. So I would certainly suggest reading up a little bit on what Mare Baba had to say, figuratively, of course, just don't listen to my quick explanation of it. It deserves more time than that. But that's the origin of where we get the story of Tommy. There are a few minor differences between the record and the 1975 film. The film was directed by Ken Russell, screenplay also by Ken Russell. Tommy is played by the Who frontman Roger Daltrey. Tommy's mother, Nora, is played by Anne Margaret we know on this podcast. We saw her just four years earlier as Bobby in Carnal Knowledge. Oliver Reed plays Uncle Frank, quote unquote. This is Nora's boyfriend who becomes stepfather to Tommy. And we have an array of cameos. Probably the most famous one is actually Elton John as the pinball wizard. We also have Tina Turner as the acid queen. But of course, we have Jack Nicholson as the doctor, also known as the specialist. Tommy is the story of Tommy Walker. He's a young man who was born with all his senses. 
His parents, Nora and Captain Walker, are so in love. There's this very romantic opening sequence of them together. They're bathing together under a waterfall. But Captain Walker is a bomber pilot in World War II. And while Nora is still pregnant with Tommy, the captain's plane is shot down and he's missing in action and presumed dead. Over the next five years, the captain is still presumed dead, but Nora begins a relationship with Frank. Now, in a very climactic moment, in the middle of the night, while five-year-old Tommy is in bed, and Nora and Frank are in bed in Nora's room, Captain Walker returns home and finds Nora and Frank together, surprising them both. There's a struggle, and Frank kills the captain. And as if that weren't enough we see little Tommy standing in the doorway. He witnessed the whole thing. And it's the shock of what he's just seen that strikes him blind, deaf, and dumb all the way into adulthood, where he's played by Roger Daltrey. I want to point out here that the whole film is music. There is no spoken dialogue to be found. I think back to when I first watched this on TV several years ago. I remember at the time... I found the plot very difficult to follow. And I like musicals. I find there's a lot of people out there who love to say that they hate musicals. And I'm just like, shut up, go take a seat somewhere. I think it was difficult for me to follow at that age because it is very psychedelic, especially in the cinematography. And there was subject matter that I didn't fully understand at the time like with the Acid Queen, as well as another cameo in there, this one from Eric Clapton, where he plays a preacher leading a cult where the theme is Marilyn Monroe. So I do think in my pretty straight-laced 13-year-old world, these kinds of things didn't quite connect. But when I watched it again just a few weeks ago to do this review, I was surprised at my initial reaction because now it is, in fact, a very easy plot to follow. The unfolding of events is really not so abstract that you can't understand it. I would say that the story itself is very linear and very well timed out. The whole film is a standard length for a feature. It's 108 minutes long. And our man Jack's cameo is... I think a turning point in the story. Uncle Frank makes a grand entrance into Nora's separate bedroom one day, proclaiming that he's found a doctor who can help the boy. Meanwhile, Tommy is in the room just standing in front of the mirror as he does commonly. Nora is mildly interested. She's laid out on her very glamorous bed with white silk sheets. The whole room is white with diamond-encrusted everything, you know. She's sitting there eating from a box of chocolates, and the very next scene is where we first see Jack as the doctor. Tommy is all hooked up to a million wires coming out of his head, his arms. Even over his eyes, there's like these two metal plates hooked up to wires. And here's what's so fabulous about this scene, though, that I didn't fully appreciate my first time viewing it. You know how sometimes when parents take one of their kids to a specialist of any kind, they want to make sure they look nice. 
Like they want to be sure that they give a good first impression. Like they have everything together, everything is clean and in its place, just making everything look as nice as possible. This is so Nora and Frank in this moment. Frank has a very expensive three-piece suit with a top hat, gloves, a flower on his lapel, and he's smoking a cigar. Nora is just gorgeous. She's wearing this very sparkly silver gown with a slit all the way up her thigh and a white fur coat and diamonds, of course. And the doctor is very upper crust as well as he performs his song, Go to the Mirror. He seems to be completely unreceptive. The tests I gave him... Five seconds. It's all I can give you today. But did you hear the English accent in there? The doctor is very proper. I would say very mild-mannered, but as we know, it just wouldn't be Jack unless he could be a little bit of a cad, too. During one of the instrumental parts of the song, the doctor gives this very devilish look to Nora, and she gazes back at him. And a moment later, they're slow dancing together, right there in the office. Frank is not quite catching on as to what's going on between the two of them, but that's okay. Frank kind of lives in his own world, too. A piece of trivia that I read about Jack's role here is that he actually came in as a last-minute replacement. Ken Russell had wanted Christopher Lee for the role, but Lee was in Bangkok at the time, filming The Man with the Golden Gun. Jack, however, was in London where Tommy was being filmed. So they brought him in, and the singing and the role were all recorded and shot in only 18 hours. 18 hours and a last-minute replacement, and he still nailed it. So, since this is Jack's only appearance in the film... And I'm unable to play any more clips for you. Let me finish by summing up my thoughts on Tommy. It's a great film. And I really think that because it's a rock opera and not so much a musical in the traditional sense, even those among us who claim they don't like musicals can really enjoy it too. It's The Who. Come on, The Who is awesome. And I like to think it takes on a little deeper meaning when you know that the record from which the movie is based is loosely based on the spiritual master Mare Baba. So please, watch and listen to Tommy. You can find it anywhere. I found it streaming on demand. It's also on Blu-ray, DVD, Amazon Prime, YouTube, all the usual places. So next week... We're talking about a lead role for Jack. We're toning it down a little bit after a movie like Tommy. We will be talking about 1975's The Passenger, co-starring Maria Schneider and directed by Michelangelo Antonioni. If you liked what you heard today, please smash that subscribe button anywhere you get your podcasts. And don't forget to leave me a review. Follow You Don't Know Jack on social media, You Don't Know Jack podcast on Facebook and Instagram. 
You Don't Know Jack is a production of Clovercrest Media Group. Visit clovercrestmedia.com and discover 30 other great original podcasts. And stay tuned after today's episode for trailers from two of those great podcasts. So until next week, I'm Sarah Dimio, and this has been You Don't Know Jack. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Can you believe it? It hasn't happened at Fenway Park for 95 years. Fires. Swing and a miss. Right play is over. The Red Sox have won the world championship. Tune in to the newest show presented by Clovercrest Media. It's OB's Backstop Podcast. Catch it twice a week, every Red Sox series finale on your favorite podcast platform. Do exorcisms intrigue you? Do you like scary urban legends? Are you fascinated with history and ghostly lore of haunted places? Well, if you answered yes to any of these, please check out Hauntingly Yours, a podcast for the paranormal. I'm your host, DC O'Rourke. I invite you to get together with me and the rest of our para-family each and every week to hear haunting tales from across the globe. The show is available on all podcast players. Please do not forget to review and subscribe.